Welcome to the Fear Me Out podcast. Today I have the pleasure of welcoming Susan Sheehan onto the podcast. She's a managing partner of the SC7 International Coaching and Consulting Specialist Group. She has expertise and experience in solving self-worth and identity issues, wellness challenges, and problematic branding and business matters, including funding. Her motto is, today we conquer. I hope you enjoy this episode with Susan Sheehan. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we open up to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. Coming to you from our studio in Santa Barbara, California, this is the Fear Me Out podcast. We're not your typical self-help program. Our show takes a deep dive into those psychological issues that affect us on a daily basis. We hope to shift your perspective and have you experiencing emotions differently. Now, Dr. Dana Saperstein. Welcome to the Fear Me Out podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing and interviewing Susan Sheehan. We met uh, actually on the internet, because I'm talking to you in Australia, which is pretty amazing. Uh, you invited me to be on a webinar um, a few months ago, and uh, it was really fun, and I really enjoyed speaking with you, so um, I decided it would be great to have you on the podcast. So uh, what I'd love to do, first question, Susan, is number one, welcome, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much. It is an absolute honor to be here. Where does one start to tell us? <laughs> I have been in the personal and professional development arena for 30 years. I started my I started my career as as a personal trainer working with um, physically and mentally disabled children. I've raised a son with an intellectual disability. And I remember one of the specialists saying to me when he was a little child, if you can learn how to do what he needs on a daily basis, then his his progress will be will be better you know better is one of my favorite words it would be better so I started studying the brain and the body so I could help Matthew and I started my career in working with a a paraplegic and we we put together exercise sessions for children that needed to have physiotherapy and we made their physiotherapy fun and and then I, I woke up one morning and I thought gosh what I'm learning what I'm learning I could help others you know I could really help the world with what I do it what I'm doing and I loved it um I'm I am since those days with this neurodivergent world we live in I have been diagnosed with ADHD um very very um, I've learned how to to train my brain and manage my energy but back in those days the the fitness industry just fitted me bouncing off walls and and being able to inspire and motivate people physically um, but before before Matthew was born, I, I've always said that my children were my motivation and, and my reason for what I did because Matthew was my second child. I lost my first child in a car accident. Um, we were crossing the road and um, Guy reversed onto the song, wrong side of the road, ran into us. I, mm. I was lurched forward. Jodie Lee was pulled under the wheel of the car and he drove over her head. And I, I just remember, I remember the day that I buried her and I thought, gosh, you know, this, <laughs> I passed out over this little white coffin and I woke up 
in the hearse with smelling salts. And I just remember thinking, fuck, this is so hard. There has to be a meaning for this pain. And I'm going to make a, I'm going to make it my mission to make this mean something and make her little life mean something. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I was 24 years old, 25, 24 years old, you know, I was a baby. I just knew that I, I just knew that such extreme pain that changed my world and everybody else's world around us in, the, in one moment had to have a greater meaning than the pain. And, and I used to see a line in my brain. And if I was sitting on top of that line, I knew that I was in a safe place. I knew that I wouldn't hit the drugs in the cabinet or the alcohol in the fridge. And I think for that first 18 months, all I did was keep myself above that line. I had people say to me, you know, we just don't know how you did it. You know, we didn't think that you'd, you'd, you'd survive it. I had people cross the road when they saw me. I realized early on that, you know, that I was dealing with my stuff, but other people weren't, didn't know how to deal with me. <laughs> that was that was that was an interesting that was an interesting journey. Matthew was born twelve months later, so Matthew was born almost twelve months to the day, and I had a doctor who was pretty pretty amazing um, because that first year after after Jodie Lee's death, I was also pregnant. There was a lot of emotional stuff, as you can imagine, and Doctor Dove used to sit me every month, and he would go through the accident. And he'd helped me get clarity around the fact that the baby I was carrying wasn't the baby that had died. And it was a, it was a pretty phenomenal experience. He also was, you know, he was a he was a professor and he lectured other doctors and he would film me and and film my story and the journey of what he was doing with me in that healing process while I was pregnant. Um, so he could share it with, with new doctors. Um, it was it was a fairly phenomenal experience, and I know I know how much it helped me, you know, um, in my in my accepting what was going on. So you know, moving on now that you know, I, I just I just said there when Matthew was born with uh, three parts of his brain damaged and multiple food allergies, um, and he had a seizure every twenty minutes. And I, and I remember walking out of the doctor's surgery and um, after this woman had said to me, your son's handicapped. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I just remember walking out and, and going, ah, oh, why me? <laughs> and, then I, and then I remember looking down at this little boy that had these blonde ringlets and I just looked at him and said, well, mate, I don't know what we're going to do, but we better go figure out what this means and, and make it better. Now, better for me has always meant look for ways to feel better about it, change the situation, get answers, you know, learn how to do it differently. Um, so better has always been a, a word that I've used in questioning what I needed to do to find answers. And, and so that the, the, the journey began and uh, here I am, you know, four years later working with uh, this, this paraplegic and working with kids with, um, working with kids with disabilities. I, I started I started teaching aerobics. I started life coaching um, women, especially. I, I started this process of just study, study, study. I was a sponge for knowledge. I wanted to know what was going on with the brain and what was going on with the body. And I became a single mum. So I was able to study, learn to help my family as well as make money. So for me, it was, it was quite a... Um, it was empowering that I could do that. Help me help help others at the same time. And 
I just used to, I just used to, one thing I've always had the ability to do is to see the bright side of a situation. Even in the even in the most challenging, most painful times in our life, there is always a flip side. And I, I just believe I was blessed with, with this ability to, 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 to know how to do that. And again, I come back to that word better because I didn't like feeling bad. I liked feeling better. <laughs> so I know that it was a, it was a powerful thing. And of course, with what I was doing with my clients and what I was doing with Matthew, I know that I was able to keep my energy going. And then I had Kelsey, my um, my second, my third child's second daughter. And I put on, like I went from size eight to a size 12. You know? <laughs> when, when you're in your late 20s, early, when you, how old was Kelsey? Kelsey, 28. You know, you it, that's just unacceptable. So I went on another journey of, of really looking at what, the, the mind around weight gain and, and weight loss and what all that was about, you know, what's going on with the body when these hormones hit and all these changes. So I started then working with a different aspect of, of health and wellness. And I realized that I needed to really learn how to, how to coach people. Physical fitness was easy for me, but I needed to study the mind. So I did some psychology and I, and I just, again just went out into the world and asked questions and before long you know I've I've got a, a, a business that's um well I, I will say that with um very broadly because I didn't look at myself as a business at that stage I just worked to pay the bills you know I was I was in survival mode mm-hmm. um I didn't I didn't look at myself as a business that became a journey a little bit later on understanding the process of business but what I did, what I did, and what I did know is that the way that I thought about me was was, and what I was doing with mine. When I was started studying, I realized that oh my gosh, I'm already doing what they're showing me how to do, and it's got a name. I can help other people. You know, simple things like reframing thoughts, flipping energy. You know, mapping over what you're seeing, what you're not seeing. Um, you know how to rewire this unconscious, and and so as I'm learning and studying all this information to to increase my knowledge, I I became aware of the fact that I was already doing it. You know, it's like oh my gosh, I'm already doing that stuff, and it's got a name. I can help other people. So so my 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 toolbox of 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 resources to help to help people on on in different areas of life. It, it increased. I was able to to work to work with people on a more holistic basis, not just on their physical fitness, but also on their mind and their body. That connection between mind, body, soul, and of course, every every client that I worked with, every bit of study I did, I grew personally myself. I was able to not only help mine and me and mine, but I was also able to make a significant difference to other people's lives. Um, somebody said to me once, "Your uniqueness, Susie, is that you get to the heart of the problem," and and I guess I'm 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 very that's I guess something that I do do, and I learned very early on that I can get inside somebody's head and their heart and really identify the problem and help them flip those feelings so that they can see that they're worthy of more than what they worthy of more than what they do. I've also experienced, I've also experienced, you know, domestic violence. Um, I've been raped numerous times. I was little and cute and blonde. And my my programming growing up was date all the boys and marry a rich one. My grandmother and my mother are, are amazing people. My grandmother was very successful. 
my mother, you know, lives her life now at 80, at 85, and she lives a life of choices. And and I, I don't think it was until I was in my late 30s that I realized why they told me that because they didn't want me to struggle you know but when you're when you're a kid and growing up you know you, you just want to do what you want to do and I was a little bit of a romantic I wanted to fall in love and do it all for the right reasons <laughs> but you know what that that energy that I had um that 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 attraction that I had I, I at 14 I won a Marilyn Monroe competition so I, I had this I had this look and this energy and it got me into a lot of trouble because well, because it was just what it was. I, you know, they say we attract, we attract what we get, and we're responsible for all we do. But when I look back, it's like, well, I was young. I didn't know how to cope with this energy, the look, the 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 attraction that I had, um, and so I I, I I I suffered some consequences because of that. Um, and you know, I, I just. Where were you born? Where 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 did you begin your life? Um, Auckland, New Zealand. Oh, okay. And um, uh, were your parents married when you were born? Were were my parents. Yeah, were your parents together? And, and oh, yes, 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 yes. My mother, my mother and my father were. Um, I was conceived the, the honeymoon and born nine months later. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my parents divorced when I was fourteen. Oh, okay. So what was it like being raised in New Zealand during that period of time? Because, I mean, again, when I hear you speaking about your life, you have incredible resilience. And and I'm just wondering, how did that happen? Where did it come from? Oh, you know, I, I, have a, I had a very strong, my mother and my grandmother were women of very strong character, very philosophical. Um, there was as much as what we were loved to bits, we weren't, we weren't, smothered you know we weren't uh protected yes I guess um but I don't know you know what I, I don't know how to answer that question I I I was in a I was in a flood when I was 10 years old went to a school camp and the the camp flooded so I woke up in in my cabin lying in water um you know a couple of kids drowned we were pushing we had to wade we had to wade into the main hall that was on stilks and, um, you know, we had to sleep on tabletops and the army came the next day. And I, I think from an early age, I experienced trauma. Right. And, and maybe, maybe that was the beginning. Maybe that was the beginning of it. I, 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 I've never really thought about where it came from. I've just always been grateful that I had it. It's, it's really remarkable. I, mean, we do, I, I did not know the story of your, of your daughter and your son and, it's just so stunning that somebody in their 20s could possibly manage to, uh, like the, all the people were telling you, how in the world does somebody cope with something like, you know, with all of that and, and come through it and be okay? It's just, uh, it's inconceivable for, to you know, to imagine I have two kids. If anything ever happened like that, I, I just think, how would I ever survive? You know, you know I did think that I... I just feel that I've been guided all the way through, you know. I, I know at Jodie Lee's funeral, we actually knew, I, I knew the guy who ran over her, so that was another another emotional piece of the puzzle. But at the funeral, he came to the funeral. The, the, the church was absolutely chock-a-block full, people falling out of falling out of the aisles, you know. Um, but you could hear his wails across everybody else. And I remember walking out 
out uh, after the service and and everybody's out there in the courtyard and looking at this guy like he was like you know die 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 you know that that energy and that look um and i at that moment in time i i held my arms out to him and he cried like a baby in my arms and i told him i forgave him so that everybody in that courtyard could hear it and it was it was an, an an immediate shift in energy and had people come up to me and say, oh my gosh, wow, that was amazing. If you can forgive him, then who the heck are we not to? And mm-hmm. and I think that that forgive and I forgiveness is a powerful gift that we give ourselves. Sure, but not always very easily uh, no. attained. I mean, it's one of the most difficult things, especially uh, when you're so profoundly victimized in a situation and um, uh, how did you come to that place of forgiveness? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I was just, I was standing outside the church in this courtyard with these people just looking at this guy. And I, I mean, I, I thought, wow, what courage he had just to stand there. It was sort of like he was punishing himself almost, you know. And, and I, I don't think I was consciously aware of what I did. I just held my arms out to him. Uh, two weeks later, after the funeral, he came to visit us and um my very first thought when he opened the door was when I opened the door to him was, Oh my gosh, you killed my daughter. I never saw him again. Right. Because I didn't want I didn't want to look at him and feel that. He didn't need me to feel that. I didn't want to feel that. He left. I've never seen him again. I never heard about him again. He completely was removed from our life from that moment. Oh, okay. Um yeah. Can you sort of look back on your childhood and, I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of really difficult things happen to you. Where did, and again, where did the resilience come from? Or do you think you were just kind of born this way? Well, well, I, I don't know, you know, it, it's like, I used to drive my mother crazy because I was always a why person. Why, 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 you know, oh. at school I was... At school, I was naughty, and if I didn't like what the nuns were talking about, I'd climb the trees and hide from them. Um, you know, I was, I was I was a real ratbag. We'd go to we'd go to retreats with the school, and they'd send me home because I asked too many questions. Um, when I was fifteen, um, we lived not far from the school, and it was a boarding school. And I remember Mum saying to me, "I'm going to send you to boarding school." And I said, "Well, that's a bit ridiculous. It's three streets down the road. I can just come home." <laughs> so, so I know that I was, um, I know that I was a rat bag. I, I know that I had this energy. And I think mum used to send me, I used to go to grandparents every holidays. And I, I think I was about 35 when I realized that why she did it, because it was managing my energy and she sent me away so she could have time out. <laughs> so it, it wasn't a vacation for you. It was a vacation for her. I know, but you know what? I I've gained so much. My, my, my two grandmothers were very different. My father's mother was a grandmother, you know, she was a real grandmother. She, we made scones and we knitted and, you know, I'd get out in the vegetable garden with my, with my papa. And it was a, it was, it was a really cool environment. And then my mother's mother was a businesswoman. She owned a licensed restaurant, except very successful. So there was, I, I had this contrast of grandparents and I'm very grateful for that. Both incredible women, but so different. And I learned so much from both of them. Is there a spiritual component to your strength at this point in your life? Oh, very much so. Um, very much so. I was I was brought up a Catholic, left the Catholic Church at 16 because I didn't like the priests. Um, I didn't like to be told what to do from people that I didn't like. 
and I couldn't understand why I would have to, why I had to do what they had to do. And I didn't like how they, what they said and did. And I, cause isn't it interesting when you're growing up, you don't always understand why you do things. You don't understand it. I, 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 I couldn't have said to you at 16, I'm leaving the Catholic church because. Right. But in looking back, I left it. I just remember going home and saying to mum, I'm never going back there again. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I go there to look at the boys in the hats. I think that's an absolute waste of time. I'm not going back. Well, you but should... in looking back now, I think the reason I said that was because I didn't like the people that was around. And I, why would I want to hang out with people I didn't like? Well, I mean, absolutely. But usually when people give up religion as a younger person, they also give up any kind of spiritual connection. No, no. So I, I think I, I've, I've always had a belief in God. I didn't know what it meant at 16, of course. And so I'm not going to sit here and say that I developed this relationship with God because I absolutely didn't. Um, but my journey of wanting to be better in myself um, moving, you know, working within the personal development um, arena and then growing into the professional development arena and then studying business. Through this process of growth, I have studied successful people. I have been fascinated with, with why some people seem to have the Midas touch to success. You know, they see it, they want it, they do it, they have it. Um, where other people do the work, they do the work, they do the work and never quite grasp hold of what they want, let alone live the life that they want. Right. So I, I I started on a journey, I, I again, I was a, when I was a, a single mum, and it was like um, a second time, actually. I was a sing, single mum the second time. And I knew that I had to go from survival. I was living in survival mode. I had a gorgeous property, and I was making money. But I knew that I was still mentally in survival mode. And the one thing I identified in my studying of successful people and I'm talking people that live prosperity, you know, their mind, body, spirit, finances, all coming together as one. It was it was that holistic success that I was interested in. How do people how do people have this holistic success? I want that. So I started studying it. And the people that I the people that I studied with all had a strong faith in God. God oh. came first. And so I started opening my mind then. Well, okay, I've I've always believed. I've always I've always believed in God and I, I had had too many moments in time in my life through my journey that I felt that I I was guided but I didn't understand what it meant. Oh okay. Studying the people that um, you were fascinated by it, it sounds like they opened at least the intellectual part of your mind to wondering if there was maybe more to it than yes. realized yes. at the time. So when you did that how did that change how did that change your life? Well, well, it gave me again. It, it, it's it, it's it's sort of like you know. I look at I look at life, and at the time, you know, I I was just I was out there doing without really understanding frameworks and structures and the organisation of it all because I've had to train my brain to be structured, organised. Nobody's going to pay me to help them be organised, but I've trained me to be organised. <laughs> I've trained myself to manage my energy. Um, so at the time, I just, I just thought, okay, well, okay. But looking at it now, it's like there's, it, it's a mathematical equation. It's a one plus one plus one plus one. Nothing is more important than the other. They're all as important as each other. And so we have to, we have to hop in front of it and think, well, okay, um, 
I'm great at making money. I, I've, you know, I've got a healthy mindset towards money. I've got a healthy relationship with with, with money. I'm great at managing money. Uh, you know, I can read financial. I can read financials, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'll tick that. I don't need to think about that. That wasn't me. I'm just giving you an example. I had to learn how to do all of that. Um, okay, now there's the physical me. I've got to. One has to be physically fit and healthy. That was me. I ticked that. I didn't need to learn how to do that because I had taught other people how to do that. I was great at wellness and fitness. I still am. Um, and then the, then there's the relationship aspect of life. You know, what relationships could I have improved, and what did I have to do in me to to have better relationships? And and I guess the first relationships that I started to heal was with um with myself of course we have to work on ourselves but for me this was an ongoing daily journey I was I think what we do um in our profession from whether it's psychology or coaching or therapy whatever 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 box it's in we yes. learn something about ourselves with every single person that we work with yes don't you think so? Whether it's an aha moment, oh my gosh, I've got about doing that. Oh my gosh, I haven't done that. Oh wow, I can do that. You know, there's always these 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 this mind this mind game playing with clients. So I, I was okay with where I was personally, um, but I did have to heal some relationships. And so I put that in the got to do that better box. Um, you know, and so business wise, I knew that I had to study business. I had a program that was I'd launched around Australia uh, online in New Zealand. We were making money, but it wasn't making the money that I knew it could. So, you know, it, it, it's about asking questions and being okay with the answers. So I would I would say, okay, oh, what is happening? The business plan is working. We're making money. So we know it's changing people's lives, but it's not hitting that million dollars in sales. That was the goal. And, you know, the answer that came up was, you don't deserve it. That's what came up. I don't deserve it. So that that took me on on, on that journey. So, in, and then, of course, then there was the spiritual aspect of my life. And I realized that in studying it, and, and one of the very first books I read was 101 Laws of Prosperity by Catherine Ponder. Okay. Have you, do you know Catherine Ponder? I don't. Um... Okay, so Catherine, um, Catherine is a was uh, Catherine's in her nineties now. Um, she was a single mum, one child in one room, and she started studying prosperity and also identified that the having a having a relationship with God has to be number one. It's it's number one that the top. You know, <laughs> there's the mathematical equation, but God's first. Um, and and so and so she she became a pastor and she dedicated her life changed her life and dedicated her life and teaching other people so i started reading the bible and and not from a religious perspective but from a spiritual perspective i had my first coach um when i heard him speak because i've worked with some incredible human beings in the coaching arena i i decided to to learn what i needed to know through the couch, the coaching route, rather than go to school for a lot of it, because I was a coach and I wanted to be coached and I wanted to become the best coach that I could be. I wanted to create wealth. So I knew that I had to work with people that knew how to do what I wanted to do. That makes, I mean, you're being incredibly logical, which makes a great deal of sense. Yes, um, yeah. So, and so that was my, and I'm so, I'm, and of course, it also suited my personality, right. you know. 
Um, and we all have we all have you know these 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 triggers and these catalysts for change. But that that was that was what I decided to do. Um, and so Randy, who who was his coach, the first time I heard him speak, and he said. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. It doesn't matter what you believe or what you don't believe. Start reading the Bible as a powerful personal development book because it just is. Okay. Now, he had, a, he had a strong faith in God. He had been on a journey and, and I guess had that same sort of trans transitioning process mentally, physically, and spiritually himself. And I, I remember sitting in the audience thinking, oh, that makes sense. I can do that. I didn't have yeah. a process. <laughs> You know, Susan, you mentioned something in passing that I, I want to make sure that everybody really truly understands. And that's that it all gets down to how you feel about yourself deep down inside. Because I'm sure that you and I have the same experience of meeting people that have the capacity to rule the world. I mean, they're so amazingly bright and charismatic and capable, and yet somehow they don't reach their potential. And what I've noticed more than anything is that if, and a lot of people, they say, well, yeah, of course I deserve whatever I, you know, I desire. But when it really comes down to it, if, they, if they're willing to take a look past what they tell themselves and really look at how they feel about themselves, that's a whole other matter altogether. Because you can tell yourself anything you want, but if you don't feel it deep down inside, it's not going to work for you. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody heard that you said, I realized that I did not feel like I deserved it. Yeah, and it kept on coming up. And I, and I work on threes. I've always worked on threes, even with my kids when they're growing up. If they wanted to do something, they had to ask me three times. And on the third time, we'd look at it. Um, and I've, and I, I've used the same strategy with me. Something comes up. Yeah, I'm hearing it. Okay. And the second time, okay, yeah, I'm, I've heard it. And then the third time, okay, I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> How did that realization come to you? I mean, Sorry? because it's a pretty remarkable thing to to come to. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I just, to me, it's, I, I think, I, in answering your question in being resilient, I think being curious, being so, so proactively curious has okay. been part of it. Okay. I think that is one, one skill that I was born with that I think has helped me heaps because because it, it allowed me to, I, I remember walking out of doctor surgeries with Matthew and I'd look down at him and I'd say, well, mate, I don't know what we're going to do, but we ain't doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I would just go looking for answers. I would ask questions. And, you know, Matthew's now 35 and he's drug-free, allergy-free and seizure-free and has been for um, 17 years. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second because I want to make sure that in the United States, we, we call uh, what you call surgeries, we call doctor's offices. So okay. Uh, okay. I just want to make sure that that's really clear because surgery here means getting cut open. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Sorry. Do yeah, we call them the doctor's surgery here, going to the doctor's surgery. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's little differences we have, huh? <laughs> I just don't want anybody to be confused. Wait a minute. This woman was having surgery or something? You know. So I'm sorry. Go Clarity ahead. Clarity is I, good. Clarity is good. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm also grateful for people that I've had. I, um, I've, when I first moved to the Gold Coast, Australia, from from Auckland, um, I was one of the coaches and managers um, at the Sheraton Hotel on the Pacific Ocean here. So I was part of the five-star circuit. We had a five-star circuit. And 
one of the one of the men that got one of the guys that I worked with who was my immediate boss. I had a, I had a great thing going on there. It was on the beach. It was beautiful. I was paid by the Sheraton to be one of the fitness managers, but then I could have my own coaching business running there at the same time. So it was. Um, I was always grateful. I was always I've always been grateful for where I've been and what I've had. And I think I think even in the darkest of times, if you can find something to be grateful for. It, it really does help to put a smile somewhere. You know, it makes the heart happy. And if we can find something to make the heart happy, then we feel better. Absolutely. You know? Um, brought you from New Zealand to Australia? Was that no, a- no. My, um, my, my, um, daughter's, my daughter's father um, was, uh, is from Santa Monica. So... Um, yeah, I met him. Um, he came to New Zealand. He actually went to Australia, came to Australia first, loved it so much, um, but wasn't able to stay. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're talking. Mom, Matthew was one when I met when I met Larry. And mm. he had to leave and enter, leave and enter. So he came to New Zealand. I was looking for a flatmate, you know. He came in and I said to him, look, I've got a flatmate, but, you know, you're happy to come and bunk on my floor when when you're in town, if you like, you know. He was um he was American with a cute butt was like you can come and bunk on my floor. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, he did and we came, we became really good friends. And 18 months later, I actually came to Australia with Matthew for a holiday to see friends, and our relationship became more than that. Um, but he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do in New Zealand due to the the size of the, of the because of the population it was an island he wanted to set up a company so we moved to the Gold Coast oh okay yeah we moved to the Gold Coast and the, the special education was the special education here was just amazing and so when we when we went different separate ways I stayed here because of what was available for Matthew oh okay and that relationship did not endure to this day. no 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 that relationship didn't endure i mean I, I i he's a he's a good guy he's a great dad he he's he he bought he matthew's father was um matthew's father was very uh well i found a needle in his arm three times so when matthew was six months old and because we'd had quite a journey together um i coped with with what what the journey of our life had been better than what he had i packed up my bags with matthew and we left he mm. he was always a part of matthew's life and and always always spent always didn't offer anything positive as to him but he loved him as much as what he was capable of loving somebody and he never said no to him so so Mark was Mark was was dad, and once or twice a year Matthew would see him, and they had fun together. Larry was Matthew's role model, and he still is today. Oh, okay. And he where, still is today. Where's Matthew now? Um, Matthew lives with me, and Larry is now in North Carolina. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and yeah. and my daughter is a singer songwriter, and she is she she fell in love with an Englishman. He's also a musician, and they go between London and LA. So we're very much an international family. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, and 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 Larry is a Larry is a he's a he's a really good guy. He just 
It's interesting, isn't it? And I think this brings up a whole nother subject matter. I mean, I, I congratulate you for, for the longevity of your marriage and your family, and I respect it. But and, and my business partner, Caroline, is the same. She's been with her husband since uni days. But we all have a different journey, and I think that we have to be okay with that. Yeah. We have to forgive ourselves for what we didn't know. Um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, but we are all, we live in this world and, and we have to forgive ourselves for what we what we didn't understand. We have to forgive others for what they didn't understand. And we just have to wake up every day and just learn from what we've learned from our mistakes. Oh, which is a journey in itself, but and just yeah, best that we can be. <laughs> that's one of the hardest things to do. I oh my gosh! If I if I understood that twenty years ago, um, but you know what? I I just think that uh, things happen also for a reason. I th I think if you ask me what my and and I guess it's why I'm very passionate about it. If you ask me what my biggest problem was, that was the aftermath of my life's journey, is is not is that unconscious crap that gets stuck there because of because of experiencing one, two, and three. You yeah. know, consciously I move forward, but unconsciously there, there's, there's this blame and shame and guilt and, and limiting beliefs and negative programming. Um, and as you know, you don't always know that that's there. You just live life. Um, it drives your life and you're not aware of it. And that's why asking yourself questions is so important, yeah. you know, well, most everyone that comes to see me believes that they are the source of their problems and they feel like uh, that they're inherently uh, not a very good person. So tr what I try to help people understand is it's what happened to you and also what didn't happen for you in equal measure that usually uh, influences the way you end up feeling about yourself deep down inside. And it's not that I'm wanting people to blame the people that have hurt them or neglected them. But punishing yourself for something you that you are not responsible for, that doesn't that doesn't help either. So um, I, I think that it, it really is important to recognize the trauma that you have suffered, and that you weren't properly protected at the same time. And a lot of times it happens when your parents are not they're not necessarily you know they're not bad people. Um, they're just limited by their own experiences and. Um, and sometimes they're just so busy and preoccupied that you don't really notice, you know, that you're suffering in some ways. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting thing just to to get a visual. My mother drives a Mercedes and her husband drives a Rolls Royce. And my father, who died in 2019, lived in a council flat. So mm -hmm. I had I had the contrast of um, and my mother left my father um, because he was an alcoholic. So I I, I had that as part of part of the growing up. But I was, um, if you can, if you can, you can see, you know, when we were kids, I would sit with daddy and my sister would sit with mummy and we would be very, and, and I was 10 years old when I realized what sort of man my father was. Um, I think it broke my heart. I think I was 10 years old when I first broke my heart, when I had my heart first broken. Um, and, and I spent, I spent a lot of, a lot of years trying to be his friend um, but had a lot of abuse coming back, never sexual abuse from my father, but definitely mental and physical and emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I just remember, I, I just remember the day that I decided, I, re I remember, I remember looking into his eyes. He, um, his, his, his partner had died and he said, he rang me and he said, I'm going to come to Australia and live with you. And I'm thinking, 
goodness gracious me wow i'm on my way <laughs> i i jumped on a plane and um and flew to new zealand and went round to his place and i said oh, we need to talk about this what do you mean you're going to come and live with me and and then i don't know it was just that moment in time and i think i think i've always i learned i learned to follow that intuition i call it god's voice people can call it what they like for me it's god voice and i and i i've learned to i learned to listen to it so i'm standing there with this man who and 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 he had got this look in his eye and this energy and here's the here's the one ear to the races and another ear over here and i just said you can't come and live with us i'm very very sorry i need to protect my children i do not want my children growing up with this energy i'm so sorry um, if you ever need anything, I'm here to help, but you are not coming to Australia and living with me. Goodbye. And I left. Wow. And I, that was it. I ended my, I ended the relationship with my father. How old were you when that happened? Um, I was um, in my 40s. Incredibly courageous thing to do because most of the About time 40. you were terribly guilty making a healthy decision like that. You know, I just, I just, I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I, I, I knew that. I knew that if I if I didn't look after me and mine, that nobody else was going to. Right. So I, I, again, you just said something a few moments ago that I consider to be one of the most important things in our lives, which is that your intuition is God's voice inside of you. And again, going back to that because um, I've, a lot of people have said to me, "Well, I pray and I try to feel a connection to God, but nothing. I don't ever feel it." And my response is, well, do you have an intuition? And a lot of people, most people say yes. And I say, well, what, what's your relationship with your intuition? Well, I, I'm not sure how to tell the difference between fear and intuition. And, and I, I, I don't know how to trust it because I can't prove that it's real. And um, part, part of the, the most, one of the most important parts of my work is to help people really understand that their intuition is sacred. And that it is absolutely one of the most important relationships that you have. And the more that you learn to trust it and treat it with the kind of sacred devotion that it deserves, the more it's not going to make your life easier because a lot of times you've got to make decisions like you did with your father. That's not an easy decision. No. But it will help you probably at least minimize whatever harm might come your way and certainly maximize your uh, experiences of joy and uh, success in your life. I think, so, I think, I think you, you, you asked, I, I keep coming back to that question you asked about resilience and I, I, I get, I, I, I'm having ideas as we're having the conversation. Um, uh -huh. And I think the one thing that I've always had and certainly developed as I went through life was the courage of my convictions. Okay. Well, that's you know, I've, 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 I've I'm, I'm, I'm a born entrepreneur. I haven't had a lot of nine to five jobs, but nine to five jobs are sort of weaved in and out of my life, you know. Um, right. And and that and that comes back when I was 16. I got a school holiday job in the Apple and Pear Board in Auckland, New Zealand, and Mum got it for me. Get out there, and you know, I think I think my mother did everything she possibly could to to get my energy doing something, you know. Um, so I'm on, I'm in the apple, a school holiday job, and I had to stand on this conveyor belt and, and and sort out all the rotten pears and apples that came along. And you know, I had the energy; I could do it. It was easy to do. And then this big loud noise, boom! And I'm thinking, oh, what's that? Well, now you can go and eat and pee. And I went, oh my gosh! So ten minutes to have a cup of tea and a pee, um, back onto the conveyor belt, and this noise just told me when I had to eat and pee the whole time, morning, lunch, afternoon, tea. 
I lasted to the second day and at lunchtime the second day I left the job said thank you very much I'm not I don't belong here went home to my mother and said I'm not ever going to have a loud noise tell me when I can eat and pee <laughs> <laughs> that's a very funny story <laughs> But it sounds like you've had a really deep spiritual connection your whole life, whether you're aware of it or not. Yes. And, uh, and the, the, in a certain way, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, but the, the Catholic Church didn't drive it out of you like it does a lot of people. Yeah, no, I, I didn't connect with the Catholic Church. I just didn't, I just didn't connect with it. It was like, oh, this is not, this is not where I'm going to be. I'm not coming back here. Um, and again, you know what, I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have gone home and said, this is why. I just knew that it wasn't where I was meant to be. I just marvel at the fact that you were able to hold on to a spiritual connection. When I look back on my life, I was forced to participate in my uh, parents' religion when I was a little kid. And I threw the whole thing out, God included, until I was in my mid-30s. So uh, um, even though it was active in my life, looking back, I really did not understand that... Um, uh, that that force was a part of who I was as a person until I had some fairly dramatic experiences that, like you say, loud noises that helped me understand that uh, that I'm not alone and that if I choose to surrender, not in a uh, in a surrender bad way, but in a good way, that my life would be enhanced uh, uh, hugely in the process. Well, I also I also I also took it on intelligently. You know, I I, I remember I had a. Um, I had a, a one of my business partners. We have a children's charity, and one of and this this myself, Caroline, and this guy Clary. And I'm having a conversation with him, and he's he's telling me about why I shouldn't have a faith in God, why I shouldn't be doing this, and trying right. to really instill his beliefs onto me. And this was only three years ago. Um, and I just looked at him and said, "You have to just shut up because I'm not hearing you. There's nothing <laughs> that you can say. <laughs> There's nothing that you can say." You can you can hang from the ceiling and dance on dance across the room. Nothing you're going to say is going to shift my faith. Right. Yeah. So just shut up. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah, and I said to him, you have to understand that I'm not just saying, oh, I believe in this. It's not an airy fairy fluffy thing I'm doing because of because I've really looked at this intelligently. I've walked I've worked through walked through every every church door and and interviewed people um talked to them i've studied i've studied it to find out what i thought what i think is what it is and the one thing i know for sure is that there is a god he is real um and if we build a relationship with him and we listen to that little voice inside us then our life is better and that's all i know uh, Susan, I want to make sure that with the time that we have left, that I get to know you a bit better professionally now, if that's okay. Sure. Because um, I know that you run a very successful business and uh, you serve a lot of people and you're very generous. And um, so can you tell us a bit about you as a professional woman at this point in your life? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you. You know what? I've I've grown up in the industry. You know, I when when I was asking myself that question about you know why we hadn't hit a million dollars in sales, when it came up like you don't deserve it, I knew that I still had layers of crap. And we use pain and crap as acronyms: uh, criticism, resistance, anxiety, procrastination, problems, apprehension, inter 
um, internal conflict, negative beliefs and negative programming. So I knew that I had layers of layers of crap that I had pain and crap that I still had to get rid of. But I also identified that I needed to develop my business acumen, that there weren't only just this, this personal stuff that was stopping me from creating that, that success I was, I was working towards, but I didn't have the business knowledge either to do it. I'd watched two men do business, one from a learned perspective, Larry had degrees, and um, one from, because I did remarry, um, one from a, uh, my second husband was an ex-detective from Boston. Um, so so I, I sort of had, had watched two men really, you know, look at business, but I had to look at it, I had to learn it for myself. So that took me on another journey. And again, I, I went down the, co the coaching route. I wanted to learn business from people who had built multi-million dollar companies, and uh, and so and so I did. And um, one of my one of my business coaches was John Asaraf. John Asaraf is one of the keynote authors of The Secret. He's built multi multi-million dollar companies. Um, he was a millionaire by the time he was um, passively by the time he was twenty five. Uh, a millionaire 25 passively by the time he was 30 um, because he was he was coachable and he had a mentor and you know so I I, I was um, I was blessed to be able to be invited to be part of this program that John had and this is what he said and I share this because it is so it is so mean so much to what we're talking about I was on a webinar and he he there was 2,700 people on this webinar and he said I've just gifted, now the language is important, I've just gifted $7 million to Wall Street. This is God telling me that I need to step out now and add some more value to the world. So I'm going to coach 20 people over the next six months. 1,800 people filled, filled out an application. He chose 17 people and I was one of them. Oh, that's amazing. And, and so three months later, I'm sitting in San Diego with these 17 other people. And first lesson, why wasn't there 20? He said 20, but there's only 17 out of 1,800 people. And, and, and that was my very first, like, in-your-face realization that he only chose 17 people because 17 people had the mindset and, and understood the value of what he was going to offer to change their life. Uh -huh. And that was like, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't deserve what I wanted because I didn't see my value. Right. And, and I think that, that was the, the first big lesson. But John's not only brilliant at business, but he's also one of the leaders in the world in, in neuroscience uh, and, and mind development. And so I knew I was in exactly the right place. Right. I'd been a coach all these years. I had I had raised a son with an intellectual disability. I understood the the brain as an organ. I understood how to have how to get the brain healthy with the body. I mean, I look at the brain as two things: it's an organ and it's a genius brain. As an organ, if we treat it with the same respect as the physical body, then the genius brain works better. Right. Right. That, that's my simple my my simple my simple analogy of it. So here I am sitting in San Diego with John, and he's talking about the neuroscience, you know, how the genius brain works to build success. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is another piece of that mathematical equation. You know, I've, I've, I'm studying the business aspects, so you know, all the money side of finances, 
I've got my spiritual thing. I've, I'm, I'm, I've, I've honed in on that. I get that. I feel a piece of that. I'm loving that. The physical I've got, the business I'm learning. And oh my gosh, now we've got the neuroscience of the brain. This is the piece of the puzzle that I didn't have. And I lapped it up. I became a full-time student of this. Um, and then I set sales with my own brain training program. I sort of was able to bring it all together and realize that a lot of the piece, people... There's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and thousands of dozens of mindset coaches. But it's not just about the mindset. It's about the brain and the mind. It's about the heart and the emotion. It's about it all wrapped up in the power of God. And it's it's bringing all of this together and helping people truly see what that looks like, that people are, then people can step out and start to live, to truly live their success. And I think the big thing that I that I, I teach people now to do when I'm speaking, especially, is the power of the imagination. Okay. Because your imagination is a superpower, and so and so I, I started creating all this. We launched it, you know, and then um, and and it all. It, I got invest. I got an investor. Started to things started to grow, you know. Started to the kachink, the kachink, kachink, and the bank account started to happen. <laughs> And then, and then I got sick. I got an autoimmune disease, and my body shut down for three years. Oh my god! So I, I, I just, I didn't accept that as being okay. I just, I just switched off from that. And I worked with a neural coach, um, Mark Robert Waldman, and he, he said to me, you know, what you've done is you've, you have walked under, over, and around all the events in your life. You've never allowed yourself to walk straight through it. So he said, I'm, we're going to walk through every event in your life and then we're going to put it in the past. And so and so that's what we did. Um, and it was very, very powerful. But then I got sick after it and I called Mark and I said, I can't walk. My whole body is shut down. And and then and he said, well, it's, it's no wonder, Susie. He said, the experiences that you've had in your life, your brain has kept you safe. But your your immune system isn't isn't coping with all the stressors that you've actually had to live with, even though consciously you've 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 built success, you've done what you had to do, but your physical body is now manifesting because it's not coping with this overload of the stressors that that you that you haven't haven't allowed yourself to feel. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that makes a great deal of sense to me. You would understand that more than what I ever have. I just know that it, it just it just made sense. Well, what I'll say to you again uh, is that the failure in most therapy, from my perspective, is that you learn a lot about yourself, but nothing really changes because you've not dealt with the feelings that you have blocked out in the in the moments of trauma. Because when you're being traumatized, you don't feel anything other than survival, and those feelings get they, they get embedded inside your body. And until you go into those feelings and really release them from your body, they really are, in my mind, responsible for most of the symptoms that we suffer. Well, that just makes sense to me, and 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 so I just went on the the, the next piece of piece of my journey. I applied everything that I knew, I, everything that I I knew to be true. I I practiced everyday visualization. Prayer just became like. A, 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 an active daily daily activity thing on all levels of it um i just did what i had to do i worked with a doctor of nutrition i said goodbye i deleted exited boom ejected the medical world and i got myself healthy 
Oh, that's so fantastic. After coming out of that, I met Caroline and my business partner, and and we just we just we just uh, came together. We uh, we have uh, we we balance our strengths and our weaknesses. She was looking for me, even though she didn't know it at the time. <laughs> well, I met her. She's a very lovely woman. She's, a, she's an absolute. She's an absolute amazing human being. Um, yeah. And you know her 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 growth has been phenomenal. Um, so so you know we come together. Um, she's a consultant. She's grown up in the world of corporate and managed teams and CFO of companies and small business assets companies. She's gone through the education. You know she's got degrees. So so we come together um, and we see all and solve all. You know we've got the entrepreneurial journey and and the personal aspect. Um, and we've got the and the creative aspect on, on the creative of what we do. Um, and Caroline is brilliant at managing me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would say the same thing about my wife. <laughs> um, but yes, she's a she's a, she's an incredible woman. And and so we we sort of came together. Um, we sort of rebranded. We took some of what I had done previous to getting sick, and we rebranded it. We we reset um, new business, um, and we set sales. And then COVID hit. Well, so if people would like to take advantage of what you guys have to offer. Not everyone that listens to my podcast is in the United States or are people that listen to it in other parts of the world. But primarily it is, uh, you know, we, I do have a, a mostly American audience. How might they contact you? And um, if they're interested in your services, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, they can go to meetsusansheehan.com um, okay. or I, Susan Sheehan Speaker. Um, meetsusansheen.com forward slash just meetsusansheen.com that's easy um and i'm and i'm on on social media um you know you, i'm happy for you to share my phone number because you know doing whatsapp coaching is 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 great you know we we come together we do people in business so you know we have an umbrella if somebody's stuck in in you know, having that same journey as me they know they can do more and they're looking at what why is it not working then and and I and they know that that it's psychologically they're all in a good place, you know. So, but they're now they're they're walking into the business box or that executive box where they're in a career and they 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 know that they've that they're psychologically they're okay, you know. They've got a mental health a mental well being plan. They've got a physical plan. They're feeling great, but they're just not getting the results they want. Right. So that's the. So you're the perfect person for people that are struggling in that way. Yes, yes. Whether it's whether it's in a career where they're not moving forward or they're not happy, they're not living their purpose. Um, whether they're you know they're a startup business, whether they're scaling a business, whether they're a CEO running a company. Doesn't well, we always say that it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you do, what your status in life is, how much money you have. It's about you personally. Right. Are you living the life that you want personally? Okay. Are you where you need to be? Are you where you want to be? You know, what is your heart pumping core desire? Um, are you living that? And so, yeah, it, it's that, that's, that's, I guess, for me personally, where I can change people's lives. So, so tell us your phone number while you're on the podcast, and I'll put it in the show notes and everything else. Okay, but, sure. Um, it's yeah. Australia, which is 61. Okay. 432-428. 885. Okay, one more time, please. I just want to make sure everybody can get all those numbers. 
Australia, 61-432-428-885. Okay. Just send send me a text. Send me send me a text. And say hi. Can I can we talk and make a time? Okay. So we, we just have a couple of minutes left. First of all, I want to tell you what a pleasure it is to get to know you better. Thank you. Um, I am just completely blown away by again your resourcefulness and your faith and and the fact that you are able to overcome so much adversity uh, and and you're doing so well because again it is really hard to get to a place where you really heal the depth of what you had to come to terms with and that you've allowed yourself to receive the bounty that is available. Uh, and that's not an easy task when you suffer a lot of trauma as a kid, that's for sure. Do you know, do you know what I, do you know what I am? Um, I, I'm grateful for my mother. My mother is an amazing woman. She's, I, I can honestly say she, she, she probably still doesn't understand me, but that's okay. She's just been an amazing woman and she's an amazing woman and been an amazing mother. You know, my, my sister and I are her number one reason for life and she's been an amazing mother. Whilst, whilst maintaining her independence of who she is, and I think that that was always a great, uh, respected her for that. Um, but, you know, having faith has... You know what I, you know, it's something that I get frustrated about. And I had to, and I had told this to somebody the other day who, who's sort of in that friend box, um, very broad meaning of the word at the moment. But, you know, preachers, 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 preachers God's word. I mean, but then lives in a box of fear. Right. You know, and, and, and I said to him not so long ago, I said, why when you, when you have such a strong faith, do you live with so much fear? Because I know myself personally that I have broken through boundaries of fear because I've stepped out in faith. I mean, I haven't always known what I was going to do or what the answer to the questions was or how I was going to do it, where I was going to be. But I stepped out in faith knowing that it was all going to be. You, you couldn't have stated it better. <laughs> Does that so, make sense? It makes more than sense because yeah. again uh, my podcast is called fear me out because again yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> I see how much fear runs people's lives and i also really truly agree with you that you can live in faith you can live in fear and it's a choice i would prefer that people try to live in faith if they can because it certainly enhances your life it doesn't give you a pain-free life because nobody gets to have one of those but it certainly helps you with the resilience that you need to, to deal with whatever life brings you. And it also helps you experience more joy. Can um, I tell you a quick story that, that just, I think it highlights what we're talking about here. And it's pretty cool. I was yeah. asked to go, I was asked to go to Sydney um, and speak to a 300 odd woman. It was a, it was a wellness. My, my woman's program that I had was a wellness program for women over 40. Um, okay. And so I was asked to go and speak to this audience. I went down and I took one of my ladies and my team with me. And so, and, and we, we could have, I could have just been the only speaker. Was, I think there were four speakers and we had, we had ladies waiting, waiting in the aisles to talk to us afterwards. And so we spent the whole day, this lady, this lady in my team, she had the line, I had a line, and we just answered ladies' questions. We spent the whole afternoon adding value. Anyway, we get back, we get in a cab and we go, we get back to Sydney. 
And I'd booked us into this historical hotel, but it was just old and dirty. Oh, it was old and dirty. Um, and so we walked into this into this room and I looked at, at her name was Lynn. I looked at her and said, we cannot possibly stay here. It's old and dirty. And she said, but it's raining and we've been up since four o'clock and I'm really tired. And I said, don't care, I'm not staying in old and dirty. So I went down, I said, look, let me see if they've got a cleaner room. So I went down to reception, all the, it was just the hotel. So I, I called the Sofitel. And I went back up to the room and I said to Lynn, pack your bags, we're going to the Sofitel. Oh, must be, yeah, come on, we're going to the Sofitel. So we packed the bags, we trundled off to the to the Sofitel in the rain, uphill, downhill, got to the Sofitel, walked in and it was all new and shiny, you know. So big sigh of relief, got to bed, woke up the next morning and we walked into the dining room and she said to me, what would you like to have? To, what are you going to have to eat? And I said, oh, I went to bed with a chocolate bar, so I, I think I'll just have a coffee. And then I thought, oh, no, I might have some fruit. I think I'll have some pawpaw. I felt like some fruit. So, and this conversation was just between us. There wasn't anybody around. There was just us. So we sat down. The waiter came over and asked us what we wanted. Lynn said, oh, um, I think, yeah, just have coffee to start with. So we just ordered coffee. The next thing, the maitre d' of this restaurant comes over with a platter of food. Now, right in the middle of it was a pawpaw with all the breads and all the different breads and rolls around it um, and and other fruits and, and, and condiments and things. And he put, the put it in the middle of the table and said to us, this is for you for just being too, for just being too wonderful woman. Oh, and sweet. it's on the house. <laughs> That's and Lynn looked at me and, and, you know, her mouth dropped, her eyes were so wide. And she said, how did they know what we wanted? And I said, look, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say this, that when you step out into the world and you do things in faith, you do things from the right place for the right reasons, you add value to the world without expectation of getting back. You are given everything you need. And, and what you want. And I believe, and this is, I said to her, and I believe that we're given things along the way to know that what we're talking about now is the truth. That is a fantastic story. I'm really sorry that we have to end our conversation. That is a great way to end this pod. We appreciate our listeners and are interested in your comments and suggestions. Feel free to email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, please email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.